Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, it's a bonus show. Welcome to a bonus episode of Not Sam Wrestling. Now, normally, all of these bonus shows are available exclusively for the Not Sam Shills. The subscribers to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Wrestling. they are the ones who get the audio, the video, sometimes the live feed of all of these shows. You can become a shill now over at patreon.com slash wrestling. We'll be doing stuff for stomping grounds. We'll always do. But this is the first time, I believe, that an entity, a person, a group, an entity, has uh, brought to you a bonus show. This bonus show is brought to you by... This Not Sam Wrestling Show is brought to you by the one and only, get this, Robert Strauss. Now, Robert Strauss, for those that don't know, he at one point was wrestling under the name Robbie E. And he and he's done this podcast before. Um, uh, but he reached out to me. And we've had lots of people in the WWE who have been managers, who have been representatives, who have been attorneys, advocates, uh, whatever you want to say, agents is the case with Robert Strauss. But we assume that they are on-air characters, that this is a persona being put on by this individual. N apparently nobody told this to Robert Strauss because this is not, this is not a work, this is not a, a cooperative effort, this is not a gimmick. This show is literally being brought to you by Robert Strauss. He, he sponsored the program, okay? The reason that this interview is happening is not because uh, one of the members of WWE PR reached out and said, hey, uh, Riddick Moss is doing some press. Not because, it's because Robert Strauss himself said, I have a client named Riddick Moss. You've probably heard of him. He's an NXT superstar. He's on TMZ Sports right now. He's talking about Kevin Durant's injury. There's a profile of him on WWE.com right now talking about the same injury. I'd like to offer you the opportunity to be Riddick Moss's first podcast interview. How would you like that? How would you feel about that? I said, I mean, you put me in a unique uh, position here, Robert Strauss. Riddick Moss is somebody that I keep hearing about on the NXT live events, a member of the Outliers, a tag team being represented by you, Robert Strauss, doing a hell of a job on social media informing the world of this team. A guy who, I watched the, the, the Combine special on the WWE Network. I thought it was amazing. It's like a six-hour, seven-hour show, however long it is. But it's so great. And Riddick Moss outperforms just about every person on the NXT roster on this combine special. It's it's a, it's it's an athletic competition and he is just dominating everybody and in between talking as much trash as humanly possible. He's a guy who uh I 
certainly have an eye on. He's a guy that I'm super aware of. He's a guy I would love to talk to. This is an individual that came from the world of, uh, of college football. Well, he was in college football, and then he went on to the Miami Dolphins training camp. And uh, while he was there, ended up uh, making a phone call, getting a tryout, and becoming a WWE superstar in training at the Performance Center. He has since started to build a bit of a buzz about himself and now is a mainstay and a big part of the uh, NXT touring live events with his representative, Robert Strauss. And when you see Robert Strauss representing this guy, understand I'm not exaggerating here and I'm not lying to you. There's no benefit for me to try to sell a storyline to you. He legit is the agent of these guys. He, uh, at least he's acting like it to me. He set this up and I'm glad that he did. When given the opportunity to talk to Riddick Moss, I jumped at it, especially knowing it was the first uh, long form interview that this guy has done. Cause I'm very, very interested in his story. I'm very, very interested in how he was able to come back uh, from a torn Achilles. I mean, he had the injury that Kevin Durant has now and he's been able to come back from it stronger than ever. You saw him on the combine special. He's one of the best athletes all around at the Performance Center. And this is going through Achilles surgery. It's incredible. And now he's he's kind of put the pieces together and is creating quite a buzz for himself on these NXT live events. Riddy Moe, as he's known in some circles. So I said, Robert Strauss, make it happen. He stuck his hand out. We did that virtual handshake over text message. And here we are today. It's a bonus episode of Not Sam Wrestling brought to you, believe it or not, by Robert Strauss here on Not Sam Wrestling, my interview with Riddick Moss. Uh, Enjoy, everybody. The Not Sam Wrestling interview. So here on this special edition of Not Sam Wrestling, we have the man that Robert Strauss has brought to us, a member of the Outliers, Somebody who impressed a lot of people at the Performance Center Combine on the WWE Network. Riddy Moe is here, ladies and gentlemen. Riddick Moss, what's the haps, man? Uh, not much, man. I'm in uh, I'm in Dallas right now. We got in late last night. Uh, the third show of the weekend is tonight. Um, so I'm just uh, waking up and getting uh, getting my day planned out here before the show. Man, I got to tell you, I don't know if you realize the extent to your association with Robert Strauss. This is not like a gimmick. This is not storyline. This is me telling you exactly what happens. Like, I was excited for this guy because I've known him for a while when he got signed to NXT and they were going to use him as a manager type, you know, character on the show. And then I see you guys are associated with him. I said, that's great. I didn't realize how seriously he was taking this. I want you to know that, like, and I don't know if you've uh, experienced this in your day-to-day life, but he is literally the person who put this together. He is not an on-screen sort of representative or manager of you. He is completely taking this role as seriously as any other person. It would be like if any other person had somebody kind of being their representative. Robert Strauss is your real-life manager yeah absolutely you know when uh he first got here um it was kind of a natural uh chemistry between me and him and uh 
right away we started uh, working together a little bit here and there. And uh, I knew he was uh, obviously very charismatic and talented. And um, I was excited to try to continue to work with him. But as you just said right now, it's only recently that I've realized this is not, he is really my agent. And he really is. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fully aware um, how he set all this up. He set up the TMZ article as well, uh-huh. and he, like you said, he is the, taking this as serious as he possibly can, and it's it's really cool to work with someone who I, I like to pride myself on my work ethic, and um, Rob absolutely matches it. He he's always thinking about how we can um, make this what we're doing better, and continue to do what we're doing, and and push it and get it out there, and I think for me that's that's especially cool because I think the way I grew up and, and how I came up through football, I was always hard work for me was just putting my head down and doing the physical work and doing the, the mental work, but just on my own. And I wasn't big into opening up my personal life and letting people in. And I, I, I loved performing in front of the crowd. But like I said, some of this other stuff that, that for example, today, this podcast, Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Rob has really helped me realize I need to do. And he's also made it happen quite literally. Um, so that, like you said, he's absolutely my real agent and, uh, I couldn't be more pleased with him. Yeah. It's an interesting point. You know, I don't think, and I think a lot of people who come from the world of professional athletics, like you did, you know, when you're, when you're playing college football, when you're going, you're trying out for the NFL and, and all that you're raised to, know that the only thing that really matters is what's on the field. Yeah, you have to do press conferences, you have to do media interviews, but at the end of the day, you have a singularly focused job to do. In the world of WWE, you don't. I mean, in the world of WWE, the whole thing is your job, and the fan base has kind of been conditioned to understand that things don't begin and end with in-ring performance. Like, we all end up wanting to know you guys, feeling entitled to a piece of your life, feeling entitled. There's always more, more, more with with WWE fans, and I have to imagine that for a guy like you, that takes a lot of getting used to. Yeah, I think that's kind of the world um, in entertainment in general, and even a little bit sports today. You see guys creating their own brands, and like you said, fans want as much inside, behind, uh, you know, peeling the curtain back as they can get. And totally for me, coming from football, it was all about just the Bill Belichick style of just give, giving only the minimum and, and nothing more and just letting your work on the, the field speak for itself. And, yeah, you absolutely can't do that here because that's uh, – and I, I'm still figuring that out. It, it has taken me a while just because uh, old, old habits of, from football have been hard to break. But I think that's – one thing that I've, I've realized on my own, but like we said, Rob Strauss has really helped me with is making me realize I need to be out there on social media. I need to be promoting myself constantly and promoting what we're doing in the ring, promoting what we're doing out of the ring. And also uh, Dan Mesa, uh, who is my tag partner most nights, um, he, he has that same mindset. So he's also helped me with that. But it absolutely has been a difficult transition. I, I think when I first got to the performance center, I kind of just thought, like, hey, I'll just put my head down, work hard, do everything they say, and it'll all just come together. And that's really not the case. You have to be willing to 
do stuff on your own to promote yourself. And like you said, that today more than ever, the fans want to see behind the curtain and they want to see you in your everyday life, what you're like, and you have to be willing to give that to them. So are you kind of aware of that learning curve from the beginning? Because, you know, I think about guys like you all the time because you get signed in the end, like towards the end of 2014, beginning of 2015 is when you got to the Performance Center, right? Right. And so, you know, you're watching guys over the course of the last four years come in, and while you've been there for four or five years, whatever it's been, there are guys that come in who have a wealth of experience in the world of wrestling and in the world of sports entertainment that are jumping in and then going straight to the top. Going to You've watched guys since you've been there come in after you, go through the Performance Center, Go through NXT, get to TV, get to TakeOver, get to the main roster, get to pay-per-views. While you're, you know, kind of there going, okay, I'm going to grind away and eventually I'll get to NXT TV. Do you understand from the beginning, well, this person is coming in with all this experience and I'm still kind of learning the entertainment part of sports entertainment? Or is there a period of time where it's frustrating and you're going, how long am I going to sit here? while people are fast-tracked. Right. It's a bit of a combination. Because I came in with um, Fergal, uh, Finn Balor, Mm -hmm. and Kevin Owens. I came in at the same time as them. And so I was aware that there were going to be, I wasn't delusional and thought that I would beat Finn Balor to NXT TakeOver or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was aware that there was different circumstances for everybody coming in. But I did, my mindset was a little bit uh, just, grind away and it'll happen and just let the process play out. And I was doing well and I was getting good feedback so that I didn't, it really didn't occur to me that I needed to do more than that. And there it's just this balance of, you don't want to, you have to be willing to let go of the things that you can't control, but at the same time, put your full effort into the things that you can control and you have to have patience within that. So put your full effort into whatever you're doing personality-wise, whatever you're doing in the ring. And when it doesn't happen right away, you have to be willing to just say, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to continue to improve my craft. And that's, it's so easy to say, but it's so much harder to do. And that's something that I fight and try to try to get better at every single day. Um, but to answer your question, going into it, I, I thought I knew it, but I didn't really know if that makes sense. Like it makes I, total sense. I thought I had the right mindset, but it, it, as I've been in this longer and longer, I more and more has opened up to me, and I've realized that there's so much more that you can do. And it seems like that would be a quick lesson. Like It, it seems like you go in there with Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, and you go, and you see the level that they're on after all the years of experience that they've had all around the world. And you're going, you've got to say, oh my God, like there is a lot to learn here. And you see, you know, the Sami Zayn's of the world. You see Shinsuke Nakamura come in. You see all these guys come in. And I would imagine that, and I don't know if this is a negative or a positive. And I don't, and maybe it, maybe it depends on the day, but guys like that then must continuously remind you of, okay, there's a lot of work to be done here. Every time in uh, professional wrestling that I thought I figured it out, like a month later, my world like completely turns upside down. Mm-hmm. And that's just, and I did, I did 
it's the same type of thing. I did know that there was a ton to learn. I did not come in with the attitude that this was going to be easy by any means, but I didn't realize how much I didn't know. And even with uh, coming in with Finn, Finn was uh, real, real friendly to me. He was real good to me, took me under his wing and helped me out. And it was a bit of a process for him just learning the WWE style that they wanted. But obviously it was a much bigger learning curve for me. And so, but just seeing that how good he was and how long he'd been doing it and yet still he had more to learn. Mm -hmm. I knew that I had a lot of uh, work to do and I just hung around guys like Finn and guys like the revival uh, Dash and Dawson. They Mm -hmm. were great to me. I tried to soak in as much as I could and I'm still trying to do that. And it's crazy because everyone has a different experience in pro wrestling. Everyone comes from different backgrounds um, in the in the industry or out of the industry, and they bring a different perspective. Um, and we have so many different coaches and great minds in the performance center that you just have to try to soak it all in. And it can almost be overwhelming at times because, like I said, you know, you're working on something that someone, a piece of advice that someone gave you, and you're starting to figure that part out. And you're, uh, and you think, oh, I've got this. I, that makes sense. I'm getting the reactions I want to, all that. And then someone else will tell you a new piece of advice that, like, once you watch your match back, you go, oh my God, they're right. I'm doing this completely wrong. And there's so much more I need to improve upon. And so that's another balance of just, you can't try to do too much at one time. You can't try to overcomplicate things, but you got to keep striving to get better. And that, uh, that's constant. I don't, I don't anticipate that will ever end. Does seeing a moment like the street profits had at the last takeover show, does that motivate you to know that, okay, this does, this process works because you know, you're, you're, you're talking about guys here that are like you in the sense that they didn't come in with all this buzz. Montez Ford came in with literally no, wrestling experience and similarly to you it was a matter of grinding away taking forever to get to tv once they got to tv taking forever to get to a takeover and after years of going through the system they finally have gotten to this place where not only are they the tag team champions but people are looking at them like they should be the tag team champions does seeing that remind you that okay this process even though i'm watching every, a lot of other people get fast-tracked this process is working. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what a moment that was. Yeah. I, I was watching that and uh, certainly had chills. And uh, definitely seeing those guys um, go through a similar path uh, of coming in with no experience and working hard and going through downs before they, they made it to where they are now, which is obviously, like you said, very deserving champions and looked as that way. I think for me, the, the mindset anytime I've gotten frustrated is what's the, what's the alternative? Am I going to look at this and say, Oh, this guy's getting pushed and let it frustrate me and just quit. Of course, that, that that's not my DNA. I'm not going to do that. So the, there's, there's really only one option, which is to keep grinding away and keep trying to figure it out and keep trying to improve and keep, I'm super competitive and I want to be on top and I'm going to keep working until I am. And I think recently with Rob and with Dan, I've never felt more comfortable and I've never felt like I'm moving in the right direction. Like I have these last, and it's been just a short amount of time. 
me and Dan have only had about 10 matches at this point, mm-hmm. but it feels like we're, we're moving absolutely in the right direction. And we, we've stumbled onto something that could be pretty special. Did you grow up a wrestling fan? I did grow up a wrestling fan. Um, when I was, uh, when I was a kid, uh, around 98, 99 is kind of when I got into it. And I was more of a WCW fan actually. And then initially, and then I transferred over to WWF, now WWE, um, around late 99. But That's probably the right time. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 if you grew up a WCW fan, you, you abandoned ship, I think, at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I look back at it now and think, yeah, uh, no, no wonder I abandoned ship. And uh, I went over to WWF. But, I mean, what a time to grow up as a wrestling fan. Oh. Um, and uh, I still remember to this day, uh, I guess this gets me and Matt Riddle and I automatically have a rival uh, rivalry now. <laughs> I still remember my favorite moment as a kid was when Goldberg won the title from Hogan in, in Atlanta on yeah. Nitro. And I'll, I'll never forget that moment. But, yeah, I grew up a fan. And then when I, I, when I got busy in high school and especially college, I fell out of touch a little bit with the business. And then when I, when my college career started wrapping up, I had a little bit more time on my hands and I started getting back into watching wrestling. And then when football was coming to an end, it was kind of uh, this realization that I was like, I've been a fan of this my whole life, but I've never really considered doing it. I mean, I've done in the basement with my brothers, I've done all the moves and all that, but actually doing it and I just thought why not and so I immediately started looking into how do I because I was pretty ignorant I didn't know how to get into the business at all and it was actually a guy I met in Miami Dolphins minicamp who his his responsibility was helping players after their careers I, I called him and he got me in touch with the NFLPA who had recently met with Canyon Seaman and uh, this may, you know, this probably angers some wrestlers out there who have been trying their whole life to get a tryout. But I called Canyon Seaman and talked to him for about 20 minutes, and it resulted in a tryout. <laughs> the old, uh, and, uh, the old, the old Baron Corbin way of doing things. The uh, right, you yeah, guys grind yeah. it away. I made a phone call. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I tell people that, and it, it, it is what it is. You know, I'm just, I'm not trying to rub it in anyone's face, but. Uh, that is what happened, and I actually did have to do two tryouts because the first tryout was it was kind of a throw together tryout with only five guys, and the other four guys uh, were not in the best shape, and they were puking like real early on, mm-hmm. and it was kind of, it was just a one man tryout, and we didn't do that much, and so after that tryout, they were like, "Hey, listen, we like you, but we need to see you do more than just this." So they made me come back for a second one, and the second one was a great tryout. Had a Dash Wilder, had, had Drake, our referee, um, along with a few other guys. And uh, that one, we we uh, worked our butts off, and uh, I eventually got the contract at the end of it. I mean, you know, people can be bitter, I guess, about the way your tryout went, and that is the thing, right? Like, you could be bitter about the fact that 
people after years of grinding away come in and they get to the main roster before you get to TV. At the same time, they can be butthurt about the fact that, you know, you all just made a phone call and ended up at the Performance Center way before anybody else could make it. But at the end of the day, I think results and performances kind of speak for themselves. And anybody that feels any kind of way about you making a phone call and getting a tryout with WWE really should watch the Performance Center Combine that's on the WWE Network. And I think the fact that they put that, whatever it is, six-hour show in complete form on the WWE Network is one of my favorite things that they've done with the network because, it honestly, it gives guys a chance like you. It gives guys like you a chance to uh, get over in the sense that people like me can watch and go, oh, my God, like, you know, a commentator can say, this guy's a great athlete, all they want to do. But when you see somebody, whether it's you, whether it's even like a Bianca Belair, a lot of my opinions about Bianca Belair started to shift when I saw what she was doing at that combine. Like you don't, I think, uh, as a wrestling fan, have a full appreciation for the athletes that guys like you are until you see guys like you doing what you did at that combine. You must have been happy that that thing got as many eyes as it did. Absolutely. So that was, I, I heard we were doing the combine, which we've done in the past. And I actually won a previous combine. Mm-hmm. The only one, the only other previous one that I had competed in. And so coming into this one, I was talking to uh, NXT head coach, Matt Bloom. And I was saying, you know, I don't know if I'm going to compete this year, specifically coming off Achilles surgery, mm-hmm. uh, less than a year uh, previous. I had not done a lot of that testing. I had obviously trained full, but I hadn't tested to see where my jumping was at and stuff like that. And uh, I was just a little bit, you know, half-stepping. And uh, I might might do an event here or there, but I won't do the whole thing. And then I showed up Monday before the the, the day or whatever day it was before the combine actually started. And I saw all the TV cameras there and I saw the announce booth and I thought, you know what, this is going to be hard for me to sit out. I might do a couple more events. <laughs> and then the day came of the event, and I just could, I can't help myself when I get into that competitive mode. Mm-hmm. I have to do it all. Mm-hmm. And so I was, yeah, obviously I love competing. I love that stuff. I love the weight room. I've always put my full effort into the weight room and into my physical abilities. And I do think I have been gifted athletically, but a lot of what, I have I did at that combine was through hard work and all bluster aside I, that was coming off an Achilles surgery which Achilles the, the surgery has gotten a lot better today but if you if you see any of the the talk surrounding Kevin Durant recently it's just it's so relevant right now yeah a lot of people are saying oh he's going to be out for a full year and then we don't know if he'll ever get back to where he was. And that's that's a very real possibility with Achilles surgery. It has, if you look at the stats from football players and basketball players who have returned and the level that they've returned to, some don't ever return, and most don't ever return to that level mm-hmm. they were at. And so there was a little bit, and I, I think in my head I created the doubt in other people's mind. I said people are doubting me. But in reality, there was a little bit of doubt in my own mind as to can I still do what I've done in the past. And so to come into that combine, have all the TV cameras there and give it my full go. 
and have the results be what they were, which was I, I had not lost a step at all. And I, I mean, to put it bluntly, I thoroughly dominated the combine. And, uh, <laughs> and you were cutting promos, by the way, too. You know, when Road Dog handed you the mic, you were cutting promos in between right. combine events. So, and that's when I was like, okay, especially based on the conversations that we were having earlier in this, you know, in, on the podcast, that like you have figured out that not only am I here to dominate athletically, but oh, there's Road Dog with a microphone and a camera. This is the part where the entertainment comes in. And I have to remind people that you should buy a ticket to see me wrestle because I'm going to dominate everybody in the ring the way I dominate everybody here. And and to me, I was like, I was pretty impressed by, by both elements of it. Right. Well, thank you. And I, I do think that that's something that in the past has that was just how we acted and, and today in the weight room still at the performance center mm-hmm. Dan Mason and I we're always going back and forth talking trash about who's going to beat the other one and dating back to football that's what we would do and if someone had, did pour an event we would dog them and so but it's realizing that for me in football when the cameras turned on I would dial it back and now it's almost you dial it up mm-hmm. and when, when that camera's on and so Anytime I saw a camera at the combine, I saw it as an opportunity to talk, talk trash, promote myself, and obviously it helps when you back it up physically. But that that was great when I saw Road Dog over there mm-hmm. and saw an opportunity to go talk to him, and that was actually really the first time that I had ever talked to him. Wow, performance <laughs> center, and we're you know we're we're pretty close and and we work together pretty closely but that was the first time i really talked to him and uh that was a fun interview and uh it was right before the event the, the final event of the combine which uh was the the, the medley of the the sled push and the farmer's walks and the mm-hmm. dummy carry and it was that was a fun one to dan call me out i respond and then i go win the event and uh, win the whole combine. That was that was a fun one. How much do you lift in a farmer's carry? So that one, that was a, those were 100-pound, uh, they called C&B center mass balls. Mm-hmm. So it was 200 pounds that we were carrying total. The, the craziest farmer's walk I've ever done, it was body weight. So I was doing 125-pound dumbbells. And you carried it as far as you could for four minutes. And, and four minutes? And it was unbelievable. And I, I, there was like a competition in the PC that day. And again, anytime there's a competition, I just can't help myself. Like, I've got to do it full to the max. Mm-hmm. And I did. And, and, I, and I won the competition that day. But my forearms did not stop burning <laughs> for a full hour. It was like uncomfortable for like burning for a full hour after that. The far, I love farmer's walks, though. It's a great exercise for core forms and a little bit of cardio as well. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do in the weight room? That's tough. So I love I love lifting heavy. Mm-hmm. I've always loved lifting heavy, but I, I love athletic components, too. Mm-hmm. So it would either be something like a max out day of deadlifts where you're just getting hyped up for that one lift and, and putting all you can into all of, all of that one lift. Or something. I love doing some crazy stuff where there's some chaos involved and there's fans attached and you're standing on something that's unstable as you're 
trying to balance and press with one arm and do something else with the other arm and uh, then turn around and do a sprint after that or something. What's so your... I love, I love uh, that's, that's what I call the Riddick regimen, and that's something that me and my brothers have been talking about our whole lives because my, my uh, real last name is Rawless, and we call it the Rawless regimen. And I've turned it into the Riddick Regiment. That's smart. And it's just this this lifestyle mindset that everything we do is going to be geared towards our end goal, mm-hmm. and it, we're going to do some crazy stuff. We're going to cover all of our bases. Me and my little brother used to watch so much film in college because he played he played on the same team as me for one season. Mm-hmm. And every day, as linebackers, we would do catching drills just in case we got that pass thrown to us that one time in the in the season, whatever it was, we were going to do everything we could. And that's the same thing now with this. But as going back to our earlier conversation, I've had to shift it from just the physical side of things to also the social side of things, right? the promoting side of things. And that's something, again, that Rob Strauss has helped me with quite a bit. What's your max out deadlift? My, my personal record is uh, 650. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I did that. Actually, the again, that was, um, I want to say that was at about four months post Achilles surgery. Wow. So, so yeah. That, that was something that, that the thing about, the thing about Achilles is the, the hard thing to get back is the, the dynamic movement, the explosion out of that. But the, I, I could start lifting heavy at about 10 weeks. Wow. And so from that point on, and, and that was kind of all I could do for a while was just lift, 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 lift. And so I hit a bench P, a personal record and a deadlift personal record coming out of the Achilles rehab. And what was the bench record? The bench record was 485. My God. My God. So, you know, we talk about the Achilles so much because, of course, Kevin Durant goes down in the NBA Finals. And especially, I think, more than anywhere here in New York, Everybody's yeah. talking about this because we expected him to come over. And, I mean, no matter who I heard talking about it, it was, he's going to be out for the season. You know, the Knicks are back to being a disaster. What are we going to do? You pop up on TMZ and you say, not only is he not out for the season, he can be back in time to win a championship next June. And you truly, you truly believe that, that you think that if he were to follow your regimen, the Riddick regimen, that you could get KD legitimately back playing professional basketball to a level that by next June he could be a championship-level player. I do believe that 100%. Wow. And that, that dates back to I broke my leg in college, mm-hmm. and it was early enough in the season that – I knew I was going to take a medical redshirt, which means I sit that year out and I don't lose a year of eligibility. So I, I decided to kind of take the rehab slow and conservative, make sure I was healthy before I pushed it too much. And I, I learned there that taking it conservative doesn't mean you have to take it slow. It means you just don't push it too far, but you can still push yourself to that limit because what ended up happening was I took it so slow that when I started working back on the field, my ankle was stiff and then my calf wasn't strong enough and so, and then I experienced ankle problems. So what I, what I did with this Achilles surgery, this rehab this time was I pushed myself as far as I possibly could without doing damage. 
And I, every day early on, from the from the moment that I, the surgery was over, I was doing as much as I could. There was days when I could when I got out of the boot or got out of the cast and I had a walking boot on. There was days where I would wake up and I would start doing a, a rehab right away in my apartment, whether that be some flexibility, some ankle strengthening, and then I would do electric stim on the cast. And then I would go into the performance center and I would do my rehab there with the trainers there. And then I would lift. I would do an upper body lift. And then I would go to a film session. And then I would go home and I would go to the pool where I could do walking in the pool. And then at night I would do another stim session and another stretching session. And then I would do red light therapy on it. Mm-hmm. And it would be 10 o'clock at night. And my entire day had either been uh, watching film or lifting or the rest of it was Achilles rehab. Right. And that is the kind of, right. That's what the Riddick regimen is to me is just that all in mindset of I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this back as fast as possible. And in doing that, it, it worked for me. Even if Kevin does not heal as quickly as I did, if he takes that mindset and he does the things that I did, follows the regimen that I did with all of those tools that I've mentioned and more, he can absolutely be back for the playoffs. Absolutely. If wow. not well before then. Wow. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And that's, I, I it really, it's, it's interesting because anytime something happens to you, it becomes more personal, obviously. And since this Achilles injury, every time I hear about an Achilles injury, I perk up and hearing them say that he'll be out. Like people are talking about it as if he's for sure going to be out for the whole season. Yeah. And that's just crazy to me. And maybe, maybe they're trying to be conservative for his sake, but I promise you, if and Kevin Durant is notorious for being very active on social media. I promise you, if you do what I have said, and hit me up, Kevin Durant. You will come back before the playoffs for sure. When you—that's a and that's a guarantee. When you go down with uh, with with an Achilles, and you're at the PC, and you're training, and you're and you're going through what you're going through. But really, you know, you're not a TV character. You've got a little bit of TV experience doing enhancement cha- uh, enhancement talent matches and whatnot. But there is no guarantee that you're ever going to be a superstar in the WWE. You're just learning the process. When you go down with an Achilles injury, is there a worry that, oh, no, they're either going to move on, they're going to forget about me, they're going to think I'm injury-prone, they're going to think I'm not going to come back from this, and if I don't show them how hard I'm working, I may have just missed my opportunity? There there are moments of that, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's So I, I ruptured it. It's... It, pulled me into the the medical room and they looked at it and about 10 minutes later i kid you not i was plotting out my recovery i was thinking all right if i can get the surgery this week then i'll have this and then i'll start coming back here and then hopefully by this point i can be back so that was my it was i love having a singular focus like that where i can like i laid out my day-to-day it was dedicated to coming back as fast as i possibly could but then you look up the I, I mentioned it earlier the studies about how NBA players have not returned to form, how NFL players have not returned to form after an Achilles rupture, and it is it is a bit intimidating because anytime you go into a surgery, you just don't know how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to go, and of course, I I never 
you never want to get the, the injury prone label. So that, that also goes through your head. You want to show them that this, and to me, I wanted to show that this was not an opportunity for me to take a vacation and take a break. And I, that, that is an option to get away and just kind of relax. I wanted to double down my efforts and show that I'm not going to miss a day at the performance center. I'm not going to miss a film session. I'm not going to, it, it was, I, I was almost fighting with the, the coaches and trainers to allow me to lift at the performance center. They wanted me to just say, like, take a week, dude, it's not going to hurt. But I, I, that was not my mindset. I wanted to, and I just, once I'm on that mission, I can't stop. And I wanted to show them that this is a hundred percent what I'm going to do. This is all my efforts are going into this, and I'm not going to stop until I achieve it. So I love your tag team name, The Outliers, and part of that is because I've read Malcolm Gladwell books before, and I know what an outlier is, and I think it's kind of, it feels pretty smart, it feels pretty relevant, but I also know from knowing Robert Strauss as long as I have, and I don't know if you've explored this side of his personality before, that there is no way that this guy has ever touched a Malcolm Gladwell book. I, uh, it is startling to me. And I've, I've literally, I've had to bring him on my show on Sirius XM to just prove to the world that for a guy who knows as much as he knows about the gym, about nutrition and about pro wrestling, he knows literally nothing about anything else. He has no idea about current events. He has no idea about the news. He has no idea about history. I mean, nothing. Have you tried to have a conversation with this person about anything outside of the scope of his day-to-day life. Yes, and, and you're absolutely right. It's <laughs> funny because Dan is, he's very into a lot of that stuff. He's very into history and <laughs> current, current events. And so it's a very funny dichotomy between the two of them. Um, but Rob, yeah, Rob, I get it. Dude, Rob is hilarious to mm-hmm. me, both, both intentionally and unintentionally. Yes. <laughs> and, he's, and he's so... He wants this to work so bad that he's nonstop trying to figure out what we can do. And as I mentioned earlier, there's that balance of knowing what you can control and what you can't, you have to let go of. Mm-hmm. And he, he struggles to let go of what he can't. But he's, it's, you're absolutely right. He's great in the gym. He's great in the, the industry. He's great in promoting me, as we yep. talked about, and himself, too. Robert Strauss. I mean, he's the he's the man at promoting himself. He loves it. Beyond, we had we definitely had to tell him what an outlier was. (laughs) We we had to explain when the name first came about. (laughs) And I mean, speaking of promoting himself, has he taught you the art of getting free stuff? Because I swear, I had I've had him on the podcast before, and he at, at at one point in his he didn't even want to talk about wrestling. Because we got lost in the conversation of what his true passion at that time was, which is hitting people up on Instagram and getting stuff for free. He has he has talked about it. It's honestly <laughs> become a bit of a, a joke in the locker room. It's just, because we, we got to we got to San Antonio uh-huh. on Thursday, and we were waiting in the lobby. There, our rooms weren't quite ready yet, and he he found a bathroom to change into his gym attire, mm-hmm. and. Everything that he had with him <laughs> between the suitcase, his entire outfit from shoes, socks, tights, shorts, shirt, hat, headphones, everything he had on the, on him, 
he had gotten for free. <laughs> and he's just, he knows how to do it and he knows how to promote himself. And honestly, it's something that I'm, I still need to, he, he needs to teach me a bit more about it. I'm waiting for him to give me the full disclosure on that because I wouldn't mind getting some more free stuff as well. Yeah. I mean, but you can't, you have to know the limit. Like, and this is not, I'm sure that he's, uh, He's changed a little bit. I think he's actually uh, found a lot more passion for what he's doing now in terms of being Robert Strauss and the Robert Strauss brand. But before he had found this, before he was doing the Robert Strauss brand thing and when he was still doing what he was doing before, he literally told me that as much as he enjoys wrestling, nothing beats the high of coming home from a weekend of wrestling and finding a uh, pile of packages full of free stuff in his PO box. <laughs> he said that's really that where he gets the rush. That does not surprise me at all. He's a funny guy, man. He's he's a, he's a strange cat at times. <laughs> really? really good guy too. But yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. He is. You know what's great about Robert Strauss is that all these things he's one hundred percent honest and shameless about to the point where there's no sort of surprise there's no you get who you get with this guy and that's why i've always yeah. liked him because he's just it's 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 difficult quite honestly to find people who are truly honest with who they are uh and he is a person who is he is unabashed and shameless and honest and you understand that he is when he tells you he wants to get this uh you, you guys as a team to the next level and he wants to put you guys over and he wants this act to become a huge deal. He's not lying. And it's probably all that he's thinking about. Oh no, there's no doubt. He goes home at night and every once in a while I'll get like a, a text message from him and I glance at it and there's like 18 exclamation points and a bunch of question marks and all caps. And I'm, I'm thinking something happened. Mm-hmm. And I, I start to panic, and I read, it and it's just an idea that he had, or yeah. something. And he's just—it's nonstop with him. He's always thinking about it, and and he told he's—he's he, as you said, he's very honest about that. Mm-hmm. And you know, he he mentioned to me he's because again, he doesn't know anything about pop culture. He doesn't know who <laughs> Kevin Durant is, and so, but he 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 knows that I've I've talked about it before. Right. And he's like this. This is a big deal, right? This. Uh, what he called him, uh, Kevin Durant. Or, uh, he, mis- <laughs> he mispronounced his name somehow. And I said, "Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, right?" And I was like, "Why aren't we pushing this?" I, I was thinking, like, "Well, I mean, you know, I've tweeted about it. Like, that's. I, I thought I was pushing it. Mm-hmm. And that's again. He, he's teaching me the mindset of like, now you can't stop there with just a tweet. And so then he's he went into full agent mode mm-hmm. and started pushing me as to everyone that he could, including you. And yeah. that's how this whole thing got set up. A hundred percent. I was sitting so, here. Yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was doing the podcast for the week. And, and as soon as I was done, I got a text from him and he is your representative. He is legitimately the, the guy who's on television talking about how you are the newest, like he's your agent and, and, and he's representing you. That's not a character. That's not a work. That's not a lie. That's not fiction. That's not a character portrayal. It's real life. Like this is this is how this is happening. This is the first time that I've done a, a podcast that is brought to you by Robert Strauss. It's amazing. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, and isn't it? Don't you always hear that that's the best when it's real? Yeah, of course it like is. When, when yeah, just- I mean this the Robert Strauss brand is 
like they always say, it's that guy turned up a notch and maybe not even turned up a notch. I mean, it's not when I see him, you know, doing his social media videos. I'm, I mean, I'm going, yeah, I know that guy. Yep. <laughs> that's him. Yeah. Totally. Yep. yep. Totally. And that's, that's something that we've, we've talked about is we don't really need to turn it up a notch. No. Like we just need to be ourselves out there and having Rob do this for me has let me be myself even more. And it, I, I think for the same for Dan, Dan has helped me and it, this has helped Dan and Rob has helped Dan be himself more. And it's, I, I've never felt more comfortable out there than I have with Rob and Dan. And I've never felt more like myself out there and, and in everyday life and everything we shoot. And we're all so all in on this. We're mm-hmm. all always thinking about it. We're always pitching ideas to each other and it's come together so well. And that's honestly the first match I ever had with Rob out there with me was just, I didn't know anything about it until I got to the venue and Rob it just so happened that Rob, who I had known for three or four days, was going to be out there with me. And something just clicked. It was just really easy from the beginning. And as we've done more and more, like I just said, we've realized more and more, like, we don't have to turn it up even. We just yeah. need to be ourselves out there. And it, it shows. It shines through, and the crowd responds to it. Well, listen, man, you know, I've said uh, many, many times that uh, takeovers to me are the best shows in all of wrestling right now. I would encourage people highly. You already know how great takeovers are. You already know how great NXT TV is every single week. If NXT is coming to your area, you got to go to these live events. The fact that NXT is touring right now is so cool. They're not just doing the Florida shows. They're they're all over the country all over the world at this point, going over to England at times, but but stay stay up to date with NXT social media and whatnot, and find out when NXT is hitting up your city, because you gotta go, you gotta see this stuff happening. They're great live shows, and you know you can see people like like the Outliers, and you can see Riddick Moss in the flesh. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you for making the time and uh, and and doing the show. No, thank you for having me on. It's been, it's been a blast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been NotSam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.